The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. This is episode number five, and we have got a fantastic show in store for you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, today in the conversation, we have got a guy who is just amazing. He's an actor, a comedian, a producer. He's got a big hit movie out right now. Uh, we're going to talk about all of it. Mr. Dave Nibley is here in studio with us. And later in my Latter-day Life, I'm going to tell you a little bit uh, about a spiritual lesson that I learned in the happiest place on earth. Without any further ado, let's get on with the show. All right, folks, today in the Latter-day Lives uh, podcast studio, we are very fortunate to have a very talented guy. He is an actor, a writer. He is a producer. He's got all kinds of titles, and he is sitting here with us. Uh, Dave Nibley, welcome to the show, Dave. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, the crazy hey, no, it's crowds. it's great to be here. It's yeah. exciting, huh? Thanks, Sean. No, we're really glad to have you here. So, Dave, you've got an exciting project that you've been working on for quite a while now that just came out in theaters, and I was privileged to see it yesterday. Tell us about the movie. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, the movie's called We Love You, Sally Carmichael, Um, and it's been a labor of love for me and my business partner, Darren Tufts, who a lot of people will recognize from, well, these days as, as Therm. Thermwise, the Questar, yeah, now if you live Dominion in Utah, Gas spokesperson. Yeah. Oh, they changed names. Yeah, they were bought. So Meridian yeah. Gas. Dominion. Oh, Dominion Gas. Yes. yes. So we got. Uh, so he's the the Thermwise guy, Therm the Energy guy. If you yeah. live here in Utah, y- you'll yeah you would know him. He's yeah. a he's a, a surprisingly tall. He, most people don't know that when they meet him at first. They're like, wow, you're tall because he's six seven. Yeah. Um, and uh, Heart of Gold, greatest guy ever. I'm lucky to be uh, uh, his business partner. But uh, when we formed uh, our company, we have a, a marketing and advertising creative services company called Flinch. And um, when we formed it together, uh, we thought, you know what? We're both movie guys and we love kind of everything about movies. And, and why don't we make it a goal to kind of always have a movie work kind of cooking on the back burner? So it's been about four years since that happened, more than that now. And we finally have released our first movie, which came out uh, August 3rd. Uh, and like I said, it's called We Love You, Sally Carmichael. It's, it's uh, in theaters now. It's I went in theaters yesterday. Right yep. Phenomenal. Like oh. we laughed. It's, and I'm, I'm pretty tough on movies. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not one to give up laughs very easily. But this is a truly funny movie. I mean, this is very funny. And tell us about the role you play. Yeah, so because um, you're not I just play, you're a producer, right? And you're one of the stars. Yes, so it's been this has been fun because it's uh, and a bit nerve wracking being uh, responsible for so much more of the film. But I play the role I play. I play a guy named Brad, and he is um, the brother of the the main character, uh, who is Simon, played by Chris Gorham. And I'm just kind of a goofy brother who who Simon kind of bounces his troubles off of. I'm a sounding board, and I'm there to kind of give him advice and help him out. And and uh, this actually was a really fun role. It's you yeah. know in the romantic comedy, it's that typical friend supporting role that hey, we get a lot of exposition out of the conversation of the main character yeah. and this guy, and um, and it really served his purpose well. But what's I mean. It's been really gratifying to hear that a lot of people are really drawn to this character. They think yeah. he's really funny, and they've had a lot of fun with it. Which um, you know, I, I wasn't quite expecting that. I had a lot of fun playing him. He's kind of a doof, but uh, yeah, he's resonated well. What What made me laugh so much about your character is that you got this brother who's played by Christopher Gorham. Christopher Gorham has been in like all kinds of Hollywood. Oh man, most most this. The, Podcast listeners to this podcast will probably recognize him most from The Other Side of Heaven. The Other Side of Heaven, yes. Played Elder John Grober going on his mission to uh, Tonga. But uh, Every every woman listening, their heart just skipped a beat. Oh, yeah. Because that movie, wow, that was a great movie. Exactly. Yeah, so he played played John Groberg in that that film. 
Yeah. 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 And so he plays this, uh, this author. Anyway, you were saying something about, well, no, I was saying your character is so funny because the, 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 the character that Chris Gorham plays in this film is this ultra successful, successful writer. You know, yeah. he's, he's, uh, the, I mean, what's her name that wrote twilight stephanie, stephanie meyer stephanie meyer he is the stephanie meyer he's so successful but he's so unsure of himself and so not confident and here you are his brother who's an average joe and not bad in any way works at a credit union has a nice family whatever but walks around talking like he's such an alpha male like he's just this like the greatest thing that ever happened and i think that we what resonated is we all know that guy yeah. We all know that guy who just his life is exactly like mine, nothing special, but the way he talks, you just think <laughs> you, you know, you know that he's always name dropping. You know that that's that's going oh yeah, on, so. yeah. He has a certain swagger and yeah. and like hey, you know, yeah, whatever you want to know, I'll tell you. Yeah, um, and yeah. So, but but yeah, the dynamic between those two characters is really fun. I mean, that you 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 kind of alluded to the the story a little bit. And, and really it all came out of Darren had the idea. What if Stephanie Meyer was kind of this grumpy guy who just sort of somehow had a, uh, knew how to speak to the hearts of young women everywhere <laughs> and wrote, uh, he was a, he was a, you know, he considers himself a serious novelist. He wrote a book that nobody cared about. And while he was trying to figure out what really to do next, he thought he'd jump on the young adult fiction bandwagon, and he wrote this this book about a, a young woman who falls in love with a merman. And it becomes the most successful book exactly. in the world. Right? And There's it's a countdown huge. clock to when the next one's going to be released. Like No one can wait for this movie. Exactly. And he is so ashamed of these books. He hates them. He hates them, and he wrote them. <laughs> Uh, as a cash grab that really worked and he didn't expect that to happen. So he has, he has contracts with his publishers that they can't let anybody know who he is. He doesn't do interviews and really this whole mystery surrounding who this author is, has just stoked the success of these books, you know, yeah. like who is Sally Carmichael? That's yeah. the pseudonym. Is, is and that's, Sally and that's what they're trying to figure out. And then you've got somebody who's going to play the main character, uh, in the film version of it, yeah, the movie right. He gets sold. tangled up, and what is that actor's name? Uh, so we've got uh, the, the the character name is is Perry Quinn, a fictional A list actor, but he's played by Sebastian Roche, who a lot of people would recognize from uh, General Hospital, from uh, Vampire Diaries, from the originals. Right now, he's in Man on the High Castle. He's got yeah. one of those faces that you recognize because he's been around yeah. for so I long. Knew, but I you knew probably him. would not know his name. I've got to say, one of the funniest characters in a film I have ever seen in my life. I mean, he everything he does is so funny. I mean, he's just hilarious on the whole the whole cast. So, in fact, Jack McBra uh, McBrayer McBrayer yeah yeah Jack McBrayer from Thirty Rock who played Kenneth on Thirty Rock yeah he's one of the publishers and is so funny. I mean, just <laughs> everybody so in this good. film is so good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We were so lucky. And, and, you know, really, uh, this is a low budget film. We have no business having the cast. You got big have. stars in this thing. Big and stars. we're so grateful. Chris, uh, Chris Gorham, who came on board to direct it as well as star in it, yeah, which was, a, was very cool for us. He kind of just called in favors to his friends and said, Hey, I've got this great script. Come up to Utah. Uh, and, and let's have some fun. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's have some fun making this movie. And they, they said yes. So, yeah. yeah, that's why we got Jack McBrayer. We got uh, Elizabeth Tullock from Grimm. Yeah, from Grimm, yeah. And and she Incredible. is amazing in she this movie. So, she just lights so up the screen. Good. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the amazing things about this film is, you know, there are a lot of films that come out of Utah. And, uh, you know, the critics are not necessarily kind. Right. Especially local critics. You know, the yeah. Deseret News is usually pretty kind. Right. But other Utah critics, they seem to... Uh, especially if it's, this is a rated PG film, yeah. nothing in it. We took yesterday, we took our, uh, our 13 year old and our 15 year old. They loved it. Nothing to worry about in the film. And yet your reviews have just been incredible. And it's, you know, usually it's art house films from Utah yeah. to get those kind of reviews, but for, for a kind of a fun, rompy, gooey, although I have to laugh because Darren points out that almost every review 
has the word pleasant in it. it, it that's right. <laughs> like literally in the title, pleasant little comedy. Yeah. Um, well, and that's that's what's been great. You know, the, the critics, uh, for the most part, have really kind of looked at the movie for what it is. We're not trying to be Schindler's List, you know. We're trying to be a movie that's clean. You can take the whole family too, but that is smart and that and really is. genuinely is. is funny. Yeah. And they've, that's been recognized both critically and by the, the audiences that have seen it. And, oh, my gosh. Well, I'll we tell are you, so gratifying. The, the audience was laughing all the way through. I mean, it was I mean, like like at any great comedy, it was excellent. How did you and Darren connect in the, in the first place? Uh, well, you know, we worked together. Boy, we connected in a few ways. So my best friend uh, is a guy named Mark Stevenette. He works at Love Communications in the advertising industry. We were best friends from high school. He served his mission in the Philippines with Darren. Oh, right on. So that's how cool. I first got to know him. And then Mark and I worked together at a uh, an agency called Rain. Uh, and uh, Darren would come in, and, and he's an amazing writer, so he would write on a number of projects. And that's how I got to know him. And when I kind of struck out on my own, uh, you know, I, I remembered that Darren and I had just worked really well together and that clients seemed to like us as a team. And yeah. I thought, Hey, let's, let's form a company. So we formed Flinch, uh, four and a half years ago or so. And it's been amazing. Been yeah. the best thing I've ever You guys done. are very busy. Yeah. A lot going yeah. on. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Well, so Darren, when I was, this is going back 20 years ago, I was in the Garen's comedy troupe. Yeah. And, and Darren was Darren the Garen. He had joined the Garen's comedy troupe. Darren is one of the best writers. He has this comedy sense. One of the things that's funny is uh, I think that had I not known that Darren had written this film, I would have been able to guess it. Because Darren, one of his his big strengths, one of Darren's great things is that he – He's very good at callbacks, like running jokes Yeah, is such a strength of him. And this has it in spades, you know, little things that are mentioned in one point and then later become a major plot point. And I just went, oh, so brilliant. I don't have a mind like that. I wish I could write like Darren does. He is just a genius. He is a genius. And, you you know, you bring up a really good point. You know, I think the payoffs in this film are so good. Things that are kind of seeds that are planted early on that bear fruit later in really unexpected, surprising, hilarious ways. It's a very, very good film. Uh, We love you, Sally Carmichael is what it's called. It's out in theaters now. People can see it in uh, all across Utah. Yeah, we're in in most Megaplex theaters. Uh, Yeah, we should be uh, in theaters here for the next couple of weeks uh, because we've been out about three. Um, and, uh, yeah, please go see it in the theater. It really is a fun experience. You can take the whole family. Uh, you can take grandma. Yeah. One, one of the things I love about this movie is that the character, the main character is Mormon. Yeah. And, and in almost every film where the main character is Mormon, that sets up a Mormon conflict of some kind. Right. You know, there's a morality decision he's got to make, or do I really, you know, church plays this big role. He's Mormon, and throughout the thread, you can kind of see how that maybe affects some of his decision-making or whatever, but it's like any other plot point. It's not yeah. a major thing. And, and and I think for a long time, we've seen characters who have been Christian or Jewish or agnostic or atheist for that matter, and it's it's just kind of part of their lives. But anytime there's been a Mormon character, that has to be a central plot point. But I loved right. that this was just part of who he is, you know? I mean, it's... Yeah. And it took place in Utah. Yep. There are a lot of recognizable places for Utahns where you guys filmed. And that was all that was all by by design. Um, as far as the character being Mormon, you know, that kind of came out of the fact that we were, uh, you know, he's kind of a, a, a pale imitation of Stephanie Meyer, right? Yeah. And so we all know that that she's the, one of the famous those famous Mormons, and that's that's such a big a big thing. The fascination of this Mormon woman wrote this uh, series about vampires, which seemed like two diametrically opposed things. So her Mormonism becomes such a big deal. We, When we did this film, uh, something that I've kind of wanted to see for a long time and, and hasn't really happened is is exactly what you were describing, is that why can't we have a Mormon character who's who's just a guy who happens to be Mormon yeah. uh, or a girl who happens to be Mormon? It, it 
Uh, Which is most of us, you know? Yeah, exactly. We kind of of feel like we're normal. (laughs) Most of the things in my life are not, oh, because I'm Mormon, now I've got this big thing going on. It's work and it's family and it's whatever. So I thought that was great. And it's unique. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously knowing that he's Mormon establishes him with certain values. and uh, But it's, it's mentioned... I don't know, maybe twice in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and so you know kind of who, who this guy is, but you don't need we don't need to dwell on the fact that he's Mormon and make a big deal out in of it. In fact, one of I'm not gonna ruin ruin it, but uh one of the funniest lines in the movie is when Perry offers him a water or a beer and he yeah. says, I don't drink beer and Perry turns around and orders him a beer is one of the funniest bring a water <laughs> and a beer and he just kinda okay. Um but but uh, and then leaves before it even Anyway, it's it's just very good, great film, awesome stuff. How did you how did you get involved in film in the first part? Like, what in your upbringing got you into film? Uh, you know, that's funny. My yeah, so I grew up in Provo, Utah. You know, thrilling, exciting hometown Provo, boy. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But you know what? That is a little bit thrilling because almost nobody does. Uh, yeah, I, really. They come I mean, to I grew you, up in California, and, and you know, I mean, I I think you're the first <laughs> guest we've had. Who has grown up in Provo? Yeah, so that's great. Isn't that funny. That's well, cool. the Nibleys are are uh, yeah very uh, Utah centric, <laughs> and and um, so yeah, I I grew up in Provo, South Provo, uh, and then moved up to North Provo later in life. Big move, big move. And, and you tapped, uh, you touched on the the Nibley name. Give us a little yeah. bit of your family history. Yeah. So, uh, well, if it's if that name is familiar to you, most people would be familiar. It would be familiar to them. Uh, the name Hugh Nibley probably means something, and he's sure. he's a, a church scholar. A lot of people think he's a general authority. He was a general authority, but he wasn't. Um, that that was very much by design as well. But a church scholar who, um, you know, who basically uh, knew the gospel inside his head, right? Like was was an encyclopedia. Of the gospel was Hugh Nibley. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a pretty good way of putting it. He, um, you know, he he dedicated a lot of his life to learning ancient languages and cultures, yeah, just uh, so man. that he could compare the Book of Mormon to other contemporary cultures uh, at that time, and really, um, you know, show that boy, the Book of Mormon knows exactly what it's talking about. Yeah, that's right. What's, on. So, what's your relation? That is my grandfather. Hugh he is your Hugh is my grandfather. Hugh is your yeah. grandfather. Yeah. What was that like growing up as as Hugh Nibley's grandson? It was, you know, it was really great. It was, it was really great. He, um, it, it's it was a unique. He was a unique grandfather to have uh, in in really good ways. Um, you know, so there were obviously, you know, you could ask him about anything gospel related, uh, and, and get really in depth, insightful answers, um, from kind of a a different perspective than you usually hear in the church. That's what I've heard all my life, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm still in the church because of your, your grandfather, because he, he, you know, he really kind of looks at things in a, in a bit of a non-traditional way. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, he, he helps people see things in ways that, uh, that are really faith affirming, but don't come necessarily down the same channel that we always yeah. get, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember, uh, this will kind of tell the story. Like I remember, uh, being a kid when the Ramses exhibit came to BYU. This yeah. was for a big Egyptian, Egyptian exhi- yeah. exhibit came to BYU museum. It was at the bean museum. Then I don't think the main museum was there yet. And it was a big deal for BYU to get that. And I remember going there with grandpa and I would have been a kid probably, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, walking through that exhibit. And he is literally reading the hieroglyphics <laughs> off of the exhibit. After a while, we had no. just a huge crowd of people who realized who he was and were following all, all around. He was reading the actual hieroglyphics. Oh, yeah. He was like not looking at the placards. He was looking at the actual pieces of the exhibit and reading what they were. Did he find any that were translated incorrectly? Did, he, did uh, well, he call anybody out on it? Uh, I don't remember. I'm sure he probably that, did. I'm sure he probably did. because uh, Dave, that is a great story. That yeah. is tremendous. Yeah, Very different fun. from like... My grandpa who took me fishing, you know, yeah, the, exactly. you know, was a great guy. Yeah, but uh, well, he'd do that too. We, I, my, some of my favorite memories are going hiking with him up uh, Provo Canyon, Bridal Veil Falls, yeah. Aspen Grove. I mean, what an incredible so man! Fun. I mean, you've got yeah. a great, great legacy within the church. So, 
Yeah. So um, that, you know, he, my father was his oldest son, is his oldest son. And, and uh, my dad was kind of always involved in film in some way. Mm. He, uh, going through school, he worked at BYU at the motion picture studio. And then later on was, was there, he would do set dressing props, um, all sorts of different kind of crew positions, really creative guy. Uh, he worked on all sorts of series growing up that filmed here grizzly adams donnie and marie show oh that's so uh the movie footloose you know yeah he was the prop guy for that my whole family's in that movie you can see little uh 10 year old me in the church sitting behind laurie singer and are you really i have to go back now i have to go back and see it uh, sean i am zero degrees away from kevin bacon (laughs) like literally it's that's a big deal. Oh, that's fantastic. So, so that kind of uh, gave you the bug for that it. That gave me the bug. And I, I um, in high school, I kind of did some acting and was in plays. And that's actually when I got into stand-up and yeah. started going to Johnny B's Comedy Club. So you started going to Johnny B's before your mission. Yeah. And yep. you were doing open mic night? I did open mic night. did some really horrible shows. I was just, <laughs> you know, cutting every, my teeth. Every open but, mic guy. So for those yeah. who don't know comedy, comedy clubs as well, uh, the comedy clubs, there's kind of a hierarchy to it. You know, you start off open mic night or show up and go up or sausage night. There are all kinds of names for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, is basically anybody can show up and tell jokes. And that's how we all get started. You sign up and you... You uh, walk up and you tell your jokes. And if you get one little giggle, then you don't sleep that night because I've made it. I'm going to be a star. I've That's clearly was born for world. this. Yeah. Unfortunately, you also get those nights where you don't get that one giggle, even when your friends are there and you bomb so badly. And then you work your way up into opening and into uh, emceeing and then into eventually headlining. But yeah. you were doing this before. That's pretty gutsy. Yeah. You know, I, I remember I was, I must've been 16 or 17 wanting to do this. Uh, the first time I went to Johnny B's and saw comedy in Provo, Utah, I was yeah. like, you gotta be kidding me. Stand up comedy here. It was the best and it was thing a I'd big ever deal. Seen. Johnny B's yeah. was a legitimate, I mean, I've been to a lot of clubs. That was a very, very good, very well run club that Johnny had. Absolutely. Um, and I'm grateful to Johnny for doing that. Uh, for me personally, yeah, it me was too. just such, yeah, for us, it's such a part of our lives. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when I was, I, I think I was 16 or 17, I had wanted to do it. I was working at Stevenette's malt shop. Wow. Flipping hamburgers. And Making I, malts. And I was like, oh, I want to do this. But I couldn't get up the guts to do it. And I finally said, I've got to do something to make myself do it. So I I told everybody I knew that I was going to be going up. Awesome. What a great way to do and it. And I got them I got him to go out there. I had been at Stevenette's uh, flipping burgers. Anytime I had an idea for a bit, I'd ride it on a burger wrapper. And I had this big <laughs> stack of burger wrappers. And so I told everybody I knew, I went over to the church, I got a microphone and a microphone stand, brought it home to my garage and practiced and practiced and practiced. And I had huge ambition for my first show. I was doing like a backflip at the end, all planned out. That didn't happen, but... Props <laughs> the whole nine yards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Got got everybody there. The show went pretty well. I mean, I did have... Yeah. I have you a, got I your had laughs, a stacked with friends, so that sure. helped, but... Um, I got the bug from that point and yeah. then kept going. And then after my mission, so you served came a mission. Where did you serve your mission? Italy, Milan, Italy was yeah. my mission. And it yeah. was, amazing. how was that? Uh, you know what? It's, it was amazing. It, it's the country itself is still my favorite place on earth. Yeah. Um, obviously I fell in love with it. Uh, I'll pull, I'll pull a Darren Tufts right here. Yeah. Would you say it was the best two years? Oh man. Yes. Yeah. The you best know, after years. giving it some thought, 100%. I wish there was some music to play in the background so we <laughs> could play Michael it again McLean. on the callback yeah, yeah, yeah. to it. But uh, uh, So then you get home from your mission and uh, we I, – I, so, gosh, we left out one of the biggest things about We Love You, Sally Carmichael. We've talked about all of your co-stars except for the most important one. Oh, yeah. So tell us who else is in We Love You, Sally Carmichael, and then I'll explain why this case just came to mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, so Terrible on my part. So, Sorry. No, you're fine. Well, um, when Darren wrote – the film. He wrote a part for it um, for a 10 year old girl originally. And my daughter, Andy, was 10 years old. And he just had her in mind as he wrote it. And he wrote the part uh, thinking of her and even named her Andy in the script. And when the script was finally done and we were, we were getting ready to produce this thing and casting it, uh, Andy was like, well, could I audition? I'm like, well, you know what? Uh, 
let's let's try it out. You know, you might be a little older. And, and actually, as the more we thought about it, the more we thought it's appropriate. She was 12 at the time that a 12-year-old would be sure. that age. Because a young adult, yeah. it's young adult fiction. So we filmed her audition along with all the others that we did. We, we auditioned a bunch of people here in Utah and uh, sent them off to Chris, who was in L.A., to the director. And without knowing who she was, he cast her out of that group of people. And, he did. Uh, he did not know that she was. He your didn't daughter. know. And when he found out, he figured it out. Awesome. He's like, "You guys set me up." <laughs> but <laughs> she nailed it. I was. I so can't proud imagine of her. anybody else in that role. She is good. I mean, she has yeah. true acting chops. Like she, <laughs> she seemed so professional up there. And she actually, other than I would say Chris, mm-hmm. she had the biggest range of. I mean, she had to play very sad, very excited. Yeah. And she was so good, so natural. So how was, how was so it being on set with your daughter? You know what? It was it was a dream come true for her uh, and, yeah, and for imagine. me. I mean, yeah. we had fun the whole time. And she uh. just loved being with the other actors and learning, you know, kind of the, the way making a movie works by being on set and doing it yeah. for the first time. And you're I mean, on a movie poster together too. We are on a movie poster. Yeah. We've been on billboards together. Like uh, for her, it is what a dream. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So she has taken, you always want your kids to go one step further. Oh, yeah. You're doing stand-up at that age with burger wrappers. She's in a movie, right? So that's a, a good movie, step Much up. younger than me, yeah. Yeah, and, much, and, yeah younger and, than uh, you were when you were doing stand-up. Um, and she nailed so, it. I agree. Yeah, she yeah, was. We, she was awesome. Really good. more proud. The reason I, I thought about that was because we're, at the, we're kind of talking through this uh, stand-up time after yeah. your mission. And I was telling, I, when I saw your daughter yesterday, I was telling her how long we've been friends. And I would have guessed 10 years just in my yeah. head because we're not that old. And then when we tracked it back, it's been more than 20 years. So this is more than 20 years ago. It is. You and I were hanging out at Johnny B's. Johnny B's is a theme that comes up from almost any Utah comedian from that time. Michael Berkland yeah. was on the show a little while ago, and we, we were talking about it. And there were so many of us from that time period. In fact, so many of us that you'd have to get to open mic early yeah. To get your name on. I remember lining up outside and being like number six, begging Johnny, please put up six people tonight rather yeah. than just five because I need time. I need to work through this stuff. So, you know, there's a, I, I remember that time so fondly and all the comedians that kind of came out of there that we still just have such a great relationship. There was a real camaraderie. We yeah. didn't feel like you, you, you see a lot of these shows about, comedians and there's so much competition and everything not at all didn't feel that way at all it just felt like a, a friends yeah. getting together having fun and we you would know. all laugh for each other the most yeah. we'd all be back yeah. there absolutely howling over stuff and those were fun oh times gosh, those yeah. were really good times absolutely. and i still have that great affinity for for you and for michael and for jeff burke and for Adam all these Johnson guys that yeah and johnny all these himself, guys johnny and johnny yeah johnny really did take care of younger guys and, and got did. us got us going so um, and in fact, that leads us to uh, the one project we did together, uh, which I had to look up uh, in doing my research for this interview with you. Uh, <laughs> do you know what year Latter-day Night Live was? I want to say it was right around uh, the best two years. So you're, so you're thinking close. about it, which is 2000 gives you a marker. Yeah, 2003. It was yeah, 4- hey. 14 years ago. Which is amazing that that it was fourteen is. years ago. So we did a, a video together that, uh, if you listen to the if you listen to the other episodes of the podcast, Michael and I talked about. Uh, it's Latter Day Night live comedy, um, which I still have a trickling every now and again. Someone, oh yeah, will Me mention too. it. You know, oh you're. In fact, yesterday, someone on our podcast page said, "Hey, I recognize your name. You're from Latter Day Night Live." I was like, "That was." Fourteen years ago, yeah, which was me, you, Jeff Burke, Michael Berklin, Adam Johnson, and then Jimmy Chunga, yeah, hosted the whole thing. We filmed two shows at UVU, and that was just it was so, so fun. fun. You were so funny in that, and right. that leads me into a request I made. Now, I will tell our listeners that I asked you this yesterday, right? Um, so this is not as on the spot uh, as it was last week with Stephen. I kind of uh, trapped him into doing his impression (laughs) of Denzel Washington without any warning. But Dave does the most incredible impression, but it's not an impression like what you would think. There is a Utah accent, and it's so hard to put your finger on it, but especially Spanish Fork and kind of that southern Utah county. 
There is a special accent. And I remember the first time I saw you do this on stage that I was doubled over. And for the 20 years since then, I have tried to do this accent in just polite (laughs) company. We never steal a good comedian, never steals each other's jokes on stage. But in company, I've tried to do it and failed miserably. It just doesn't work. So I've asked Dave if he would share with us that Southern Utah County. Yeah. And you know what? It's, it's funny. Cause you did ask that yesterday and I was like, wow, I'm going to have to brush up on that. It's been a long time. Uh, and so I was driving home. I was actually with Andy in the car and she hadn't really heard, she'd heard, I think she'd heard my stand up when she was younger, but she just didn't really remember it. And so I, I pulled up Latter-day night. It's Latter-day night on, on my phone. We were listening to it. And, uh, she was laughing, which was great. It gave me, made me happy. Um, but I, I was able to really uh, kind of go through that bit word for yeah. word. So it was still there. I didn't really, uh, I didn't lose it. But so, yeah, I mean, Spanish Fork, I call it the quintessential Utah accent, right? And if, you, if you're if you in Spanish Fork, you may hear a conversation like this. Uh, hey, uh, Jerry, you doing all right? You good? Hey, uh, the other day we was up to Magna. So, uh, you know, we, we went shop and went over to the shop cause, you know, cause, uh, those having a sell on, uh, fishing equipment, <laughs> dude, I stocked up. <laughs> I got me a quantum EX3 snapshot, UL spinning reel with a 5.3 to one gear ratio, quick fire, two bell triggers, stainless steel ball bearings, the graphite titanium construction's got a rear drag, holds 180 feet of 15 pound test line with silent anti-reversed and an internal bail trip mounted on a Shimano FX 2550 ultralight graphite centered rod. <laughs> Finish it off with a with a spit. There. You have not lost it at all. Well, hey, not, the, the, it's so fun to do. The the <laughs> that it, it is Dave and I cannot do it. And I've tried and tried and tried and I cannot do that accent. It is phenomenal. I, you know, I, yeah, I think it's because you grew up here. It's what, it's yeah, what, yeah. There it's, you go. It's what you grew up with, and so. I also remember you talking about people with Utah accents uh, going to Burger King for. Real, real mill dills. Real mill dills. Yeah. yeah. Could I, uh, uh, and that, I mean, what a perfect combination just of for words fun. for Utah. Just, just for fun. We got some real mill dills. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I cannot, good I, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop pretending. So, so <laughs> you alluded that at this time, uh, you got involved with, a a very popular film called the best two years. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh my gosh. Well, um, yeah. So I, 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 uh, <laughs> I remember being on my mission and at a certain point setting a goal for myself. Yeah. You're on a mission. It's all about goals, right? Yeah. Uh, so I set a, a goal for myself. I said, you know, I want to be, I want to be in a church movie. And, um, uh, so I, I wrote that down and I got home and, and at a certain point, uh, got an agent and started auditioning. And the first, uh, I, the church movie that I got was, uh, was the, the remake of the first vision I called it the restoration. Yeah. And I got, to, I got cast as Alvin Smith, um, which was a huge honor. And uh, what was that like playing Alvin? You know, it was, it was amazing. It was, uh, uh, did you do a lot of studying? I on did it? a lot of research about yeah. him and really came to admire him. He was a huge force, a huge influence in Joseph's life. Yeah. And uh, would have been a major player in the restoration and, and beyond. Um, but he he got sick. He got uh, a blockage in his intestine. They called it a bilious colic. Mm. Uh, and it was by all accounts, extremely painful and it basically rotted his gut from the inside out. And so he, he died, uh, a, a horrible death and it was so sad. You, you read Lucy Mack's journal and, and the way that she describes it and what it did to their family, they just loved him so much. And that That's the, the main history that I've read about Alvin was yeah. that he was this universally just loved yeah. person that he was always the fun and Joseph talks quite a bit about how Alvin's loss was devastating. Yeah. And when you when you look through that lens at some of Joseph's teachings about the family and about the afterlife and everything else, you can see this wistfulness or this hopefulness in yeah. him. And I think that Alvin was a big role in that because they were very close. Well, and he, you know, Joseph thought about him constantly. You know, yeah. we have 
you know, revelations that have come to us because he was asking Heavenly Father about Alvin. Will Alvin be lost? And and we knew that we know that uh, he won't be. Yeah, I lost uh, my I lost my brother a couple of years ago, and, oh and he and I were very close. And it the uh, the plan of salvation takes on a different role. Yeah, I will say, you know, I mean, it yeah. was with my brother. He was forty five, unexpected, Ugh. and so with with Alvin. And you played that role beautifully. I remember not knowing that you had that role and then seeing the film and suddenly, yeah. which, which happens a lot in Utah, by the way, like you'll be watching, right. you'll be watching a, a, a film and then all of a sudden your friend comes on, you know, and you go, well, last week we were at the MTC open house and I'm looking at these beautiful pictures swept away. And then there's, <laughs> then there's Adam Johnson <laughs> or we were down at the, um, in in San Diego at the Mormon Battalion Museum, and the first face that pops up is Lincoln Hoppe's face, yeah. you know, and you go, "Oh, it's Lincoln," which is it makes it extra special in a way, but it is hard to get lost in it, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I, yeah, I get but it, you yeah, were I tremendous it. in that, and that must oh, have thanks. been just such an amazing experience. It was, uh, and, but that and led you to best two years. That led, then. Uh, yeah. Then then the next big thing after that was the best two years, and and oh my gosh. Uh, of all the, of all the early Mormon genre films I could have stumbled into, I'm so grateful it was that one. Um, yeah, me too. You know, it was, uh, it was a, a long audition process, lots of callbacks. Yeah. And it's funny, my, this is, this is a great story, but Darren, Darren, my business partner now, and I were, were the two finalists for the role of Elder Johnson. I did not know that. Yeah. So he lost the role to me, and uh, uh, he tells me that that's really the the one regret of, uh, of the roles that he didn't get. I feel a little bad, but at the same time, so, so well, grateful. Let me tell I you something to, to to clear your heart on this for Darren. I don't know if Darren knows this, but I got a call several years ago uh, that they said uh, it was uh, my old agent called me up and said. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got someone who is looking to book you as the spokesperson for their energy company. And uh, they are they are pretty sure they want to go with you. Wow. There's one other guy that they're looking at, too. But we think you're going to get this thing. And a lot of it was public appearances and whatnot. And I travel for my job and I talked to Vanessa about it. And uh, I, I said, no, I've got to pass on it. And oh. they said, well, that's fine. We were considering you and this one other guy and then all of a sudden i see a commercial and it's darren and that has turned into a steady paycheck for him all these years oh my years. gosh it's been 10 so, years that yeah. he's been doing that yeah, yeah. so so anyway. interesting i love that so so i lost a role to darren while darren lost a role to you well so there you go it all comes full circle it all yeah there, but the best two years what, one of the things i loved about the best two years when i look at that when i look at that genre mm-hmm. of of film at that time the best two years for me captures the mission better than anything that's been done. Yeah. Like when I watch the best two years, unlike some of the other Mormon films where I feel like there was so much extra drama injected, the best two years shows the ups, it shows the downs. I mean, it yeah. just, it shows, it really is like a mission, you know? And by the end of it, it was like, wow, this is a really true to life, authentic, cool movie. Yeah, I you know what I'm I'm biased, but I totally agree. <laughs> uh, um, the feeling making that movie, it felt like being on a mission. Yeah, you know we had we we were as companionships. We shared hotel rooms, you know, <laughs> and great. and we'd go out and and it was real kind of guerrilla filmmaking. We were kind of making it up a little bit as we went along, and and uh, um, but you know the story was great. The characters were were so great, and um, I just. It all felt so familiar to me as a, I mean, I, I filmed that when I was 29 years old. So yeah. I've been, I've been home from the mission, you know, a few years, but it, it just felt like going back there. And, um, and then, then seeing how people reacted to it, uh, yeah. you know, I, I still, uh, will, hear from people that tell me, you know, I've got a son who went on a mission because of that movie. I, I don't doubt it. Uh, it's, it's, it's just so gratifying. Yeah. Where can people see, uh, best two years, you, you know, know uh, you can get it uh, um, on DVD. You can order it on Amazon. It's yeah. a Deseret book. It's in lots of places. It's on BYU TV quite often. It'll oh, show is up it? There. Yeah. Oh, you know what? So I watched the best two years in Mexico city 
in Spanish. What? I kid you not. It was on. I was in Mexico City on business and I was there. And one night I turned on the TV and there it is. And it was overdubbed, not just subtitles. Wow. But so I got to watch you speak Spanish. I wish I would have recorded some of Johnson. it. Yeah, yes. That's awesome. It was fantastic. So, wow, what a great experience making that movie. It was. You also made another iconic movie, part of an iconic series with uh, with Saints and Soldiers. You were in yeah. Airborne Creed. What was that experience like? You know, uh, it, people ask me, you know, what is your favorite movie that you've ever done? And it, it honestly uh, comes down to, as an actor, either Best Two Years or or Saints and Soldiers Airborne Creed, because yeah. they just were both so, so fun. And, uh, I loved Airborne Creed um, because I got to uh, somewhat participate in kind of shaping my character and my character's backstory mm. um, because uh, my character is comes from a, a, a multi-denominational background. His father was Catholic, mother yeah. Baptist. He's uh, on the path to becoming a, a priest and decides that he's got to He's got to do something in the war effort, and uh, his father is fine with it. Uh, he figured he'd become a chaplain, and he decides, "No, I'm gonna. Go, I got to go to the front lines." Um, and I did a lot of research uh, about my grandfather at that point because he was really, uh, you know, he he was in World War II and played a big part. He actually helped in the order of battle. He helped plan D Day with uh, General Maxwell Taylor and. Uh, drove a, a Jeep onto Utah beach. Um, wow. and you wow. know, amazing thing. So I got to kind of really read his memoirs. And if you ever get the chance, I mean, this is a off the cuff plug. My, uh, my uncle Alex Nibley wrote a book called Sergeant Nibley PhD. It's about his Hugh Nibley's war memoirs. It is fascinating. So amazing. These stories of this guy and what he went through. Um, so pick that up, but it, it really influenced my, my character and my performance in Saints and Soldiers Airborne Creed. And I will be forever grateful to Ryan Little and Adam Abel for including yeah. me in that project. It's an emotional film. Yeah. I mean, it's a very emotional film. And you know what's interesting is there is a little bit uh, of sort of a tie-in between Best Two Years and the camaraderie and the brotherhood and Saints and Soldiers. You know, yeah. I think that there's the mission – is in certainly not as dangerous, and I don't want to equate that or have anybody think I'm saying the mission is like like the military. But that that bonding and that brotherhood, absolutely, I think that there's a lot of it there, and that was a just a gosh, both those films are just fantastic, and I believe Airborne Creed uh, maybe on Netflix right now. I'm not sure. Uh, it seems like the Three Saints and Soldiers movies kind of rotate through Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if it yeah. is right now, but it has been, and yeah, you can get it on Amazon. And, yeah. And so one of the things we're doing now is on our page on LatterDayLives.com, we're doing show notes for every episode. So by tomorrow afternoon, there will be notes of all the links, all the everything we discuss, Great. the book. All the movies where people can see uh, We Love You, Sally Carmichael, uh, your IMDb page, all of nice. those things will will be on this list. Um, we talked about uh, Andy a little bit earlier. Yeah. Tell us about the rest of your family. Uh, so I've been married to my amazing wife, uh, Stephanie, um, from Arizona, Mesa, Arizona, uh, for 22 years now. Uh, it's unreal. It's great. Um, and we have four daughters. Uh, my oldest, Alex, is uh, 17, almost 18. She's going to be a senior this year. She's an amazing performer. She's a singer that uh, her voice to me, is, I'm clearly biased, but magical. So fun to see. Then Andy, uh, 13 years old, uh, who was in the film. And then I have uh, uh, Avery and Aiden, who are 10 and 7, respectively. Awesome. What a yeah. rewarding life. And you're spending most of your time now between film projects and these multimedia things, all these things that you're doing with Darren. And yeah. So um, like I mentioned, our, our creative services agency is Flinch. We do a lot of video. We do graphic design, web design. Um, and uh, our tagline is, we made you. Made you flinch as in... <laughs> Made you we think. made you look. We made you look, yeah. Uh, in a good way. We made your brand. We made your project. Um, and that has been so fun. It's been, you know, I came from the bigger agency world. That was my day job. You know, I've always told people, do you, who ask, you know, do you, are, are, they think I'm an actor for a living? And I say, no, I wouldn't do that to my family. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it's that tough. Is, I, mean, I, I have so much admiration for people who do. So my advice to people who are getting into acting is always, um, 
you know, kind of have a day job. And if acting grows into something that could take that over, great, but always have that backup plan. So that's, that's where I, I came from a, a, you know, I've had a job in the, in a creative, uh, vocation for a long time, which is great. Uh, that's acting's creative, filmmaking's creative. And so it was good to also have a job in, in the creative world. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's great advice. It, too, too many of our friends, uh, have pinned everything on, I have to be an actor and I've yeah. got nothing else. And then kids start coming and it's tough. There are some guys who have uh, figured it out, some friends of ours who are yeah. very talented and man, hats off to them. But uh, it's, boy, counting on it can be rough. I mean, it, it's, it sure it's can. And you, I think you've, you're a great example of someone who's who's made both work as well. You've had a great traditional career and then done amazing things with, uh, with comedy and it's acting. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. But, uh, but certainly it's you've got the right priority mindset of the family comes first, you know, the gospel yeah. comes first and then family. And you have found a way to mix all these things together in a dream way. I mean, yeah. you're doing church projects, you're doing uh, family friendly films. You can act with your daughter. You've kind of put it all together. Um, the last question I always ask on the show is what does being a member of this church mean to you? Dave, we've kind of talked uh off and on through all this kind of weaving it all in about yeah. the church, but we'll end on a, a very churchy note. What does what does it mean to you to be a member of this church? Uh boy, that is such a good question. Hard to encapsulate um into something that's bite-sized. But when I went on my mission, um I don't feel like I had a, a true testimony at that point. I went on my mission because I believed that this way of living as a Latter-day Saint was a really good way to live life. Even at, you know, 19 years old, I kind of had figured that out. And, and I realized that when I didn't live that way, sure. I wasn't as happy. And so that's where it started for me. Um, and that's always remained constant. Of course, it grew from there. And I developed a testimony on my mission that, uh, for which I'm so grateful. Um, and it means that I have a life... I have a path to follow and I have a path to teach my kids to follow something that is 100% tried and true. And really you can guarantee, look, you're going to be happy. It's not going to be perfect. You're going to have struggles. You're yeah. going to, sometimes you'll believe more than you will at other times, but if you stick to it and uh, you realize at the base of it all, what, what it's all about, uh, which is, really minimizing the risks of not making it back home, right? then you will be happy and, and, and you'll be much happier than you would be if you gave it up because we've all seen what happens in those situations. I'm sure we all have friends yeah. and family that have done that. Sure. Um, so that's what it means to me. It means happiness. Dave, that's a, just a beautiful answer and a wonderful note to end on. Uh, I cannot thank you enough for coming on to the show. We thank really you, appreciate Sean. it. And uh, the movie is called We Love You, Sally Carmichael. It is playing in theaters right now throughout Utah, maybe moving out into some other states, but certainly eventually will become available on video on demand uh, through various uh, means. And I recommend it highly. I give it uh, four stars out of four if I were to do, <laughs> if I were a movie review guy. But uh, again, a lot of great movie critics have, have loved it. Check it out. All of other uh, Dave's other projects are uh, available, as we discussed. And if you go to latterdaylives.com, you can check out uh, links to see all of these things, to find the book, uh, to find all of the, the different movie projects. You'll be able to find it there. Dave, you are an actor, a producer, father, husband, Mormon, and I am very grateful to call you my friend. Thank you for coming in. I right back it. at you. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate it. I am so thankful for my dear friend, Dave Nibley. What an amazing guy. And that was a great conversation and a fun opportunity to catch up with an old friend. And I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And now this week for my Latter-day Life, I uh, had a great experience last, it was last weekend. I took my uh, youngest son, Keaton, to Disneyland. And I love Disneyland, favorite place in the world. And we went and just had a ball together. Uh, I love doing one-on-one -on -one trips with my kids. We had dinner in the Blue Bayou restaurant. The Blue Bayou is uh, kind of the nicer restaurant in Disneyland. And 
it's just great ambiance, amazing food, and it makes you feel like you're sitting outside uh, in New Orleans. It's actually kind of inside part of Pirates of the Caribbean. You can see the boats go by. I just love it. And right after we were seated, there was a young couple, uh, late 20s, early 30s, and these were like the most put together, beautiful people. <laughs> they looked like two models. They looked incredible. And they came in dressed to the nines and sat down together. And I just noticed them. They were really good looking young couple. And and then our food was served and then their food was served. And I happened to glance over and was more looking at the boats going by. But out of the corner of my eye, I noticed that uh, this young man reached over and took, I'm not sure if it was his girlfriend or his wife, but he took her by the hand and they both bowed their heads. And it was obvious that they were saying a blessing or saying grace over the food that they had just been served. And I too, I had quietly bowed my head and closed my eyes for a quick second uh, and sometimes I think, I feel like we're the only ones who do that. Not we being Mormons, but like we, sometimes only me. You feel self-conscious almost. You feel like, you know, you're in a restaurant and taking that minute sometimes can feel awkward. They did it with such grace and such style as they held each other's hand and and just kind of when they when they said amen, they looked at each other and smiled. And I was so overwhelmed and so filled by the Spirit that there are so many people out there with a tremendous faith. In fact, my son and I enjoyed it, an incredible meal. They finished it about the same time we did. And as I stood up, I couldn't help it. I walked over to their table and this was a little bit difficult for me to do, but I needed to share this with them. And I, I stopped them and I just said, listen, I just want to thank you. I looked over and I happened to notice that that you were saying grace over the food. Uh, and what a great example you are. I said, I don't know what faith you are. And the man said, oh, very quickly, well, we're Christian. And I said, well, you are a credit to Christianity. Really nice. I said, my family and I, we are devout Mormons and and we pray at the beginning of every meal. And he said, oh, that's great. And he was very touched. He said, I can't believe you came over and mentioned this. Thank you for noticing. And I said, well, those of us with faith, we uh, we need to stick together. And it was just this wonderful moment that we had together. Folks, let's not be afraid to get out there and live the gospel that we believe in. They were such a great example to me, and I just appreciated it. I hope that I can touch somebody else's life the way that they touched ours. Well, that's what we have this week for the show. Uh, remember, the Latter-day Lives podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Player FM, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, now, if you want to look up any show notes uh, from what we talked about today, if you want to see, we'll have links on latterdaylives.com. That's www.latterdaylives.com. We will have links to Dave's movies, to the book he talked about, about his grandfather, and to anything else that we talked about. If you want to get a hold of me, your host, I can be reached at sean at latterdaylives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at latterdaylives.com. I love feedback on the show. Thank you so much for sharing it. If you have ideas for a guest, if there's anything you particularly like or don't like, we'd love to hear from you. On social media, we are on Twitter at latterday underscore lives. And Facebook is just facebook.com slash podcast. So uh, next week, we're going to be back with another incredible guest and a great conversation and a couple of closing thoughts for you. We hope you have a wonderful week. And remember, there is a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.